Hi everyone, I'm Amelia Quint, and you're listening to Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. As always, this is an independent podcast made possible entirely by the generosity of our lovely Patreon supporters. The new exclusive monthly forecasts and horoscopes for me will be out soon to help you prep for the oncoming eclipse season. And I'll also be dropping a pile of Stellar School mini-episodes on the myth and meaning of the outer planets in the very near future for our Vesta tier. To access the growing archive of astro knowledge, come join the smartest group of mystics on the internet over at patreon.com badastro. We can't wait to meet you. If you'd prefer a helping hand to guide you through your upcoming transits, consider booking a reading with me. I'm open and would love to work with you on career goals, love, stepping up your spiritual practice, or any other questions you may have about your natal chart or what's coming next for you in the cosmos. You can book at ameliaquint.com. And if you're looking for a coach to work with you during your astrological studies, I have a few mentorship spaces available too. It's all there on the website, but if you have questions, don't hesitate to ask via email or social. I'd love to hear from you. Another easy and free way to show your support for Bad Astrologers is to leave a five-star review on iTunes, letting everyone know what you loved about it. It casts a spell on the almighty algorithm that helps even more amazing people like you find this community. And of course, be sure to follow at Bad Astrologers on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date on the latest episode releases too. Now, on to the episode. Susie Exposito, aka Hex Positive on Twitter, is a music reporter at the LA Times, as well as an astrology enthusiast, fellow ethereal bisexual, emo lover, and tropagoth style icon, whose lovely words recently graced the pages of Vogue. She's a Virgo sun and moon with Pisces rising and Venus at home in Libra. You may remember her from episode 17, called Pisces Dreams Come True, in which she shared the thrilling story of an astrology behind her writing a Rolling Stone cover story on the one and only Bad Bunny. Since then, she's left New York and relocated across the country to the City of Angels, and she did it during one of the most challenging years and worst astrological nightmares ever. It's quite an impressive feat. I wanted to have Susie on the show to talk about how she did it. She's been open on social media about the growing role her astrology studies have taken on in her life and how that's helped her navigate these changes and find a community in the process. And isn't that one of the most crucial roles that astrology can play in our lives? It's a powerful tool to help us find our place in the world and our people in it. Through this conversation, we go deep on electional astrology, the astrology of place, annual perfections, and even zodiacal releasing. But most of all, we talk about aligning with the cosmic rhythms and trusting that everything will happen in the right timing. It's packed with info, and it's also two friends in tough times catching their breath and catching up together. I hope it makes you feel good and reminds you that you can do hard things too. So, are you ready? Let's do this. Time to sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy the show.
Hello, Susie. Thank you so much for joining me on Bad Astrologers again. Thanks for having me back, Amelia. I'm really, really excited to talk to you because I know it's been almost a year since we talked last. It was May 13th of 2020, and then we hustled to release it on, uh, yeah, May 15th, along with your big cover story with Bad Bunny. What a moment. <laughs> what a moment. And like, oh, I, I feel like Bad Bunny was really the beginning of like this huge life transformation for me. Um, it's... I, I don't know, like I'm I'm just kind of stunned thinking about how much has transpired since I published that story. Um, but I'm I'm so grateful that I did it. Um, you know, since then, I mean, at the time I was working at Rolling Stone for uh, I worked there for five years before I, I got a job offer um, in September from the Los Angeles Times. And I said, you know what, I think, you know, I, I've done my time here at Rolling Stone. I did my big cover story. Um, I got a Latino artist on the cover of Rolling Stone and I feel so proud. It's time for me to start my next chapter. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm now in, in LA and living my LA life. <laughs> and so I'm really <laughs> excited to talk to you about it. And obviously you had to use the stars to make that big of a decision, especially in one of like the most astrologically treacherous years, maybe ever, at least in recent memory, right? Extremely treacherous. I cannot <laughs> like, just thinking about this past year, which has just felt like one long extended summer vacation and like the worst summer vacation ever. Um, yeah, I just just thinking about all that has happened is overwhelming. Um, I think I I actually got the job offer a couple days before my my thirty first birthday, and it was it was oh. interesting because my my thirty I mean your thirty first year that's like a an eighth house perfection year. So mm -hmm. like week of my birthday, I went back to Rolling Stone and I was like, okay, here's how much they're offering me. Like, if you want me around, you're going to have to pay me more than this. And we went back and forth. And I, I ultimately, you know, I went with the LA Times. It felt really good. You know, um, they are just like such a such a strong paper. They have so many incredible writers and like they're unionized. They people really like um, I, I think have each other's backs in a lot of ways. And so I was like, okay, this is definitely the place where I should be, where like, I feel like my work is valued. And um, I, I ended up making the leap, but what was terrifying about it was that it was still the pandemic, you know? And I knew that um, moving out here was gonna be, there, <laughs> there would be a little bit of peril involved, you know, in flying across the country. I had to like put all my stuff in a, in a like, storage container and then oh my gosh it. yeah and then I, I flew myself out here and for months I mean I knew that the holidays were going to be particularly dangerous and mm -hmm. you know all kinds of astrologers they were like wait for the second wave there's going to be a second wave coming so um you know October rolls around and my bosses were like okay so like when can you move here you think you can do it in like November and I was like uh 
Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you saw that Mars retrograde squared to Saturn the whole time and you were like, I'm gonna have to pass on that. I'm really, really sorry. Right, right, exactly. It was Mars retrograde. So I knew that like, e even starting the job, I was like trying to find a good, a good election to like start the job. And I was eventually like, oh my God, no, I can't. I <laughs> I should not deliberate on this. I'll work out the details later. And I did. Um, I eventually moved out to Los Angeles on January 25th. And I will tell you how and why I chose that date. Um, basically, it, it I kept having to put off my move because the pandemic was only getting worse in LA. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wanted to do it safely. So... I, uh, I reached out to the astrologer, S.J. Anderson, um, very lovely man, has the most pleasant voice. It's just like very calming, ASMR, light FM radio voice. So I reached out to him and was like, okay, when when is a good time for me to move? And so we nailed down January 25th, 2021, because the, the moon was crossing my IC. So it was entering oh, my fourth that is house. Perfect. Yes. And that's, that's how it worked out. Like everything kind of fell into place. And sure enough, you know, I got on the plane, I double masked, I did, you know, I did all the things and I got here and it was a ghost town. It was kind of creepy, but I, I settled in just fine. I didn't get sick. Um, I, I ordered groceries for two weeks, but I, felt like I had arrived, you know, in the place that I needed to be at when I needed to be here. And like, um, it felt good. That is so beautiful, that feeling of arrival. And I love that it happened like shortly after, you know, your birthday was the moment when it all kind of started to constellate. Haha, -ha, sorry, total <laughs> fun for you, right? Because like you said, you moved into a new perfection year. And I, I remember 31 being particularly difficult. And so I'm fascinated by the fact that you seem to have had these like, I don't know, these like Laurel moments um, <laughs> interwoven with obviously the massive challenge of like double, triple masking, shipping everything in the storage container, just literally taking your whole life, uprooting it and moving across the country. Um, yeah, I, I will say like um, my... This this year is like ruled by Venus because um, my Libra oh, is my eighth house, and okay. I have that natal Venus in Libra. Who I mean, she's she's pretty strong in my chart. So like, I feel I feel like I was protected by her in a sense. Absolutely, that is on on my list of things to talk about. Is that your um, you have the benefics like working for you? You have that exalted <laughs> Jupiter in Cancer. Then you have Venus and Libra, like, I don't know. I could never, it's just an amazing thing to see. So I absolutely think she was protecting you. Giving I mean, you she and Jupiter, they, they work overtime with me because sometimes my Mars wants to like while out and that's uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're having, aren't you having Neptune opposite your Mars right now? I so am. extra wild for a little while longer. Yeah. Um, so I'm especially curious. So I know we both love astrocartography to the end of time. And I know that played a, an important role in your decision. So 
you know, it, New York for you and Miami as well. We're on your sun descendant line, but LA has a much different vibe. Um, how has that looked for you and how have you experienced it? Um, it's been, it, it, it feels right. And I always knew that I wanted to live in Los Angeles. There was always something just weirdly like driving me towards it. I visited a bunch of times. I find it really easy to make friends here. And mm-hmm. I, I knew that eventually I would have to, you know, like, like my career would take me here. And I actually, um, the, wait, let me look. So it turns out that Mars, I believe Mars is trying my ascendant or it's, it's like a Mars line that runs just, just below Los Angeles. Um, let me look for a second to pull up my astro click travel. I have it pulled up right now. And I find this like, especially interesting because I know that since it seems like over the last year, and maybe this happens to everybody in their eighth house perfection year, because it definitely did for me, Mm -hmm. you have like fully and completely and wholeheartedly delved into your astrological and occult studies with like a renewed (laughs) vigor. And LA for you on the Astro Click Travel, if you like click on LA, it's mm-hmm. the Chiron, so Healing Asteroid, the Initiator, um, Chiron Descendant Line, um, crossing over your Neptune Ascendant Line. And so that I feel Ooh. like that is such a spiritually rich location. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, it's been more peaceful for me. Uh, I spent Mm -hmm. the first month in LA. I I didn't really see anybody. Um, the, the first few weeks I spent in isolation for the most part. I like would see people here and there, but it felt like a very, I, I don't know, like, um, weird, I'm trying to think of like the right the right word for it, um, but it, it felt like a pregnant time. You like know, like it felt like the, I was busy kind of baking or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like glitching, I had, glitching. <laughs> yeah, I had like a ton of um, had a ton of twelfth house transits at the beginning of this year, so I was supposed to be mm-hmm. hermiting, um, and so it felt like it felt like I was just you know just baking in the oven, just like a little cookie and waiting to pop out and. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God, I've never <laughs> thought of the 12th house as baking, but I love that. I'm gonna use that forever now. That's what I, I do think, think of that it the 12th house can be such a sweet time. I, it has such a bad rap, but it really is where you like, you bake and you cook the things that are gonna be born in your first house moments, so. Exactly. That's exactly what it feels like. And so um, this past month has been more active in my first house. Um, I've had like, I've done a lot of big stories. Um, I interviewed Amy Lee from Evanescence recently. I interviewed Selena Gomez. I saw that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been, it's been very active and I feel very like out there, you know, um, I feel very like public mm. and it's, it's just been a really busy time, but I, 
you know, I, I don't think that I could have done that, gone through this like intense first house activity if I didn't take the time to cook, you know, during the the Aquarius stellium of uh, of January and February. Mm -mm. Absolutely. The Aquarius stellium was such an interesting moment, especially working with clients, because there was just so much. It felt like all the different planets were fighting for attention, like pay attention to me or go over here. And it kind of felt a little bit like, I don't know, all those energies pinging around on the inside is a little overwhelming. And so mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe it's like you're you're baking the Thanksgiving dinner of your life and you're like, OK, am I going to get all the foods out at the right time? Um, <laughs> it's got to feel good to just be able to like enjoy that feast for a second, right? Yeah, um, that's where I'm, I'm at. I'm curious, with your move, were there any specific transits that you were going through that kind of inspired you to go or that otherwise influenced it? Because I know there's all kinds of transits that can inspire people to move, and they're all very different. Hmm, I feel like I, I was very antsy about it for a while. Um... And, and I knew I was taking a risk by like uh, another thing that happened was during the time that I flew out here, um, Neptune was transiting like opposite my Mars. So I was a little worried about like possibly getting sick. I don't know if that's exactly what, you know, it um, <laughs> what 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 that transit pertains to. But like I. It could be for sure. Definitely one of the manifestations. It, like, it was like a low contagion. energy kind of transit, you know, and I think of Mars mm -hmm. as like, I mean, personally, I guess I associate Mars with like the body and like your, your drive um, energy. Mm. But yeah, so I, I was a little worried and it, it was a low energy time. And I think mostly it was it was me just being bored, you know, and, and ready to to leave New York City, because another thing was is like the virus was was getting worse everywhere or like more and more people yeah. were getting sick. Um, some people in my family got sick and I was I was just like so sick of being cooped up. I mean, everyone is, but yeah. um I just felt super, super antsy. And at the same time, like wasn't seeing anybody because people were being really paranoid, but also people I knew were getting sick. And so I was like, damn it. Like <laughs> I have to do this again. Uh, so, um, I, I can't think of any other transits, um, for that period in time. I think that makes sense. Sometimes I, I've noticed with astrology, like you, you don't always know in the moment what specific transit sort of prompted you to make a certain change, right? Like even if you're mm -hmm. acutely astrology aware as a person, there's still room for those like happy accidents or just like for your intuition to call you to a new place and have it completely work out against all odds and you being the mm -hmm. Pisces rising person that you are, especially with Neptune there, it sounds like that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I, I just had to work with the energy. Mm -hmm. 
with the um, Neptune opposing your Mars, I've read so much Mystic Medusa that my immediate thought would be I would be like paranoid about um, dating anybody because of the uh, love zombie complex. Yo. As she, <laughs> she Mystic calls Medusa it. Mystic Medusa had points. Like she, no, I remember reading about the love zombie. The if if you haven't read, I'm I'm speaking generally to the listener. If you have not read Mystic Medusa's, uh articles about love zombies please read them because i did try against my better judgment like i did try going on dates during this or well okay it was like i thought i felt like i was a little bit safe because during january for like the entirety of january it was like neptune was almost exactly opposed to my mars so i was like okay I'm not about to enter any shady situations with anyone. I'm going to, and, and Mars is on my descendant. That's like another thing is Mars is almost mm-hmm. <laughs> Mars and my son are like, right, <laughs> right on my right descendant. Right next to it. Right next to it. Yeah. And so I was like, eh, I should be careful. And so I waited until February and then start going on dates. But then it was just like, oh, oh, wow. No, 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 no. And for me, I mean, I've been dealing with, um, I, I'm someone who I, I've dated a lot of people. I've had a lot of experiences. And unfortunately I've also had experiences with like stalker types. So it was, Oh no. Yeah. And so I wasn't in a, I wasn't in like a stalker situation, thank God. But, um, I, I was in a, like, I, I was in a couple situations where, you know, the other, the other parties involved were just like running too hot, too fast in a way that I found really unsettling and kind of, you know, um, weaseled my way out of that because at this point it's like, I I've been dating since I was 13 years old and I kind of know, <laughs> you know yourself at this point. Yes. Exactly. So um, I just, I mean, I also wanted to see LA. Like I wanted, you know, I I wanted to meet people, have them take me out somewhere I haven't been before. Like, um, I feel like that's kind of the, that that's the way that I'm using dating right now. Right now it's like, it's strange because yeah, I I would like to be cuffed, but it's also about to be hot girl summer. So I'm going on dates. It absolutely and like, is. Yeah. Like I'll I'll enjoy myself um and get to see the city through like going on dates. I think that's a fun way to see the city is like you meet people and they'll be like, Oh, let's go to this spot. You know, whether it's like uh-huh. in, in Los Feliz or like Echo Park or something like that, like let's check it out. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I've never been there. And now I know like where, where I can go in the future. Um, that's so much fun. I feel like that's the Jupiter and cancer talking to like people who <laughs> have that exalted Jupiter. There's this a kind of an ability to be at home anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And just to like explore neighborhoods and suddenly be like, Oh, I, I'm, I belong here. Yeah. I've been here my whole life. It's great. Um, <laughs> I love your eighth house, and I'm noticing hearing you talk about this, that you have Venus, Mercury, Juno, and Lilith all there. So it's like love, friendship, lust, and cuffing. 
<laughs> all being activated by this eight house perfection here. So good luck. I'm sure Venus will protect you. Thank you. The girls are definitely having a party. <laughs> it's like the girls and then their not their their non-binary friend Mercury. They're all having a party in my eighth house. That's right. Mercury is non-binary. We need to make that thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk for a minute about I know that you have been studying electional astrology with like um lots of excitement and passion so for the <laughs> listener if you're brand new electional astrology is just a fancy name for using astrology to pick a specific time to do something that would be more advantageous or to give you more of you know an auspicious uh way of doing things or the planets are arranged nicely in each of the houses um but anytime that you're sort of picking a chart for something that you want to do like oh i think i'll do this at seven o'clock so i can get you know uh aquarius rising with jupiter on it that is electing an astrology chart so i'm really curious what prompted your explorations of electional astrology because i feel like that's really specific yeah it is i mean i'm such a i'm such a virgo like i you really um, are. <laughs> she has the sun, moon, and Mars, and descendant in Virgo, so can't help yourself. <laughs> Absolutely insufferable. Um, I, I just, I, I really like, I mean, my Google Calendar is hilarious because I have, like, you know, regular events like, oh, here's the doctor's appointment. Here is a panel that I'm speaking on this is when an assignment is due. And then like right next to it, it'll be like, uh, like moon square Mars, like don't make any sudden moves. So. <laughs> oh my God. Do we have the same? Do we share a GCAL? Because mine is exactly <laughs> like that. I just updated my GCAL this week with my, I'm having all kinds of transits in the next week. Y'all, um, Ooh. pray to the gods for me. It's going to be intense, but Ooh, yeah. Pray. Anyways, tell me all about your, uh, I, I love that you have moon square Mars. Don't make any rash actions. You know, what <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I have to be really careful. Um, because there, there have been times where I really like, um, so the app that I use on my phone is called Astro Future. Um, okay. some, some people use Astro Gold that costs money. So I, <laughs> I settled for, for the next best thing. Um, but yeah, I, I use Astro Future and I have like, I've done this thing ever since I figured out like, um, I mean, at this point I've been reading about astrology since God, um, I got really into it when I was like, I think around the time I was like 18, you know, and I, I got into tarot in high school. Um, but it, astrology was like, it, it's taken me, um, I guess, yeah, like over a decade, I've, I've been really dedicated to reading about it. I'm not certified or anything like that. I'm very much an enthusiast, but it finally dawned on me like last year during the pandemic to get into electional astrology. And the way that I practiced this was by reading my diary entries from like, I don't know, like whether, whether it's like a, 
a couple years ago. Like, I mean, I went back to Tumblr. I went back to LiveJournal. Um, I went back to like my written diaries and just picked a day. And then I wow. see what, what happens, you know, like um, if I picked a day in like 2015, you know, um, and was like, okay, what happened? What happened here? And I, I read a diary entry and it's like, oh, um, today I, you know, I, I went on tour with my boyfriend's band, you know, and I, I, and I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, no, why did I do that? Like, <laughs> I, see that, I see that the planets are like doing some, you know, high fuckery. So like, I, oh, I'm sorry if I, <laughs> oh no, we say fuck all the time on bad astrology. So you're great. Fine. <laughs> great. Um, but yeah, there was, there was some high fuckery in the skies. So I, um, I, I was just kind of laughing about that. Like, uh, wait, what was happening? I'm trying to remember. Um, but basically you were going on tour with your boyfriend's band and you were reflecting on your diary entries for electional astrology study purposes. Yes. And they were just like, I don't know, there were so many funny things where I was like, how could I not have realized that like Mercury was in retrograde or, um, you know, something else that came up in my reading with SJ Anderson was, um, I, you know, he asked me about my Saturn return and what happened during my Saturn return. And my Saturn return was in my 10th house. And what happened was it was so eerie. Um, but we had, I had like a, a big launch party during during the peak of my Saturn return. He was like, okay, your your Saturn return was exact during this week in November. Like what happened? And I was like, oh my God. On the day that it was exact, like I had to um had to throw a party at the Latin Grammys. Um you know, Oh my God. Like, no, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. It was so wild, but it was like such a big test, right? And it was kind of yeah. like a <laughs> it, it was like a, a final exam, you know, for this part in my life. And it was, I, I think I was, um, I was 29 at the time. And so like this, this was in 2018. And that week I had to throw a party at the Latin Grammys. And then like uh, a few days later, go to Chile to like speak at a conference. And suddenly I had to speak more Spanish than I ever had to speak in my entire life, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> oh my God. It was like the craziest final exam. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also like ridiculous because the party at the Latin Grammys, it was kind of weird. There were like some funny things happening in the sky. But um, what happened was, uh, like Mercury was like on my midheaven or it was like near my midheaven. Um, and what else happened? Oh yeah. It, it was like, it was right there. And then, yeah, Saturn was exact. Um, Venus, it was also my Venus return. That's another thing about <laughs> Oh, I love that. Venus returns are so fun. They can be, I think. Right, right. It was like, it was so funny because I was extremely stressed. Um, and, uh, but I was luckily going through my Venus return. So I managed to like, you know, put on, 
I, you know, I, I found like a nice dress, was like partying a bit. And the funniest thing happened, like Bad Bunny showed up to the party and um, I, I didn't expect him to. Like I interviewed him earlier that day and he seemed very, you know, like blase rapper at the interview. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Like aloof kind bad, of. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he was just like playing it really cool so I was like ah this is probably just like you know normal to him or whatever but then he and his entourage of like uh you know nice skater boys showed up and like we it was like <laughs> me and my friends were like dancing with them and then I met a bunch of people who ended up being like really good friends um and and it it went well you know it was a really at at the end of the day, I'm like, actually, that was a really positive experience for being the like apex of my Saturn return. I'm like, okay, that went that went pretty well. Right. Like I can fuck with this. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it was Saturn being like being like, listen, bitch, like you got this. And I feel like for me, for for the rest of my life, I just have to make peace with the fact that, yes, I'm going to experience a, like, surge of anxiety before I do anything, uh, <laughs> anything in public. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was kind of, like, the universe's way of being, like, you can handle this. Calm down. Have a drink about it. And, like, let it let it happen. I feel like for the audience, too, we should clarify that. So your Saturn is super dignified in Capricorn, and it is trying your sun, and then opposite your Jupiter, your uh, exalted Jupiter. So I feel like Saturn returns come in all shapes and sizes, but True. like not all Saturn returns are like the worst thing ever and terrible. Um, it was obviously an extremely intense test uh, that was very, very public with the sun there. Um, mm -hmm. But I always say that any aspect from a benefic is better than no aspect from a benefic, even if mm -hmm. it's a square opposition. And I feel like this is such an example of that happening IRL. Wow. Yeah, it was definitely a very like loaded moment <laughs> in my life. Oh, oh my god, and you have that um, 1989 um, stellium with the Saturn, um, Uranus, and Neptune all together. So it was like very, you know, glamorous, sudden. Um, they had all of the trappings. That's so cool. So <laughs> first of all, I want to unpack a couple of the things that you just said. I love yeah, that you're yeah. using Astro Future, and I love that you found an inexpensive option because Astro Gold does cost money. Um, you don't have to spend an arm and a leg if you're just exploring astrology. Um, mm. Just start with something free. And then if you decide to go pro or you're like, I'm obsessed, I need to drop some money on this to like store all my charts, go for it. Um, and also the idea of reading your diary entries to learn more about how charts work is beautiful. I call that retrospective astrology, and I think it is uh. just as important in astrology as like forward-facing, like future-predicting astrology, because you can use your, you can mine your own past for data um, mm -hmm. and learn from what's actually occurred instead of speculating about what might happen in the future, right? And you're your own best expert on your chart. 
um, as you sort of read those entries, because you know what it felt like to be there. So, like, nicely, nicely done. Live journal as astrology <laughs> study tool is truly, truly next level. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually doing just that today as I was um, scoping out some of the transits that I'm having. So this is getting super astro nerdy for those um, listening. I was checking my zodiacal releasing from Spirit, uh, which in short shows you uh, periods in your life where you might start a new career chapter of some kind. It's kind of like the next line on your resume or you know what what's your next job what's your next byline gonna be essentially mm. um and that starts for me tomorrow it's gonna mm. be a peak period um an l2 peak period for those who have uh studied the practice and i thought okay let me go back and see um what happened the last time i had one of these last time i had one was in march 2018 and so i searched my gmail sent messages for March 2018 and it turns out that was when I really first started um, with like everything that I'm doing now like I kind of had the germ of an idea of potentially doing a podcast one day during that time um, I started working with Bumble who I've worked with for a very long time mm. um, and I started my my other uh, IRL job as well within a couple of months of that so really wild like looking back really makes all the difference in being able to figure out what is coming don't let it freak you out though <laughs> yeah i actually wanted to ask because this was something that came up in my reading with sj was the zodiacal releasing and mm -hmm. um a couple of actually highlighted dates like uh, he, he sent me like a, a PDF and a couple of the dates that he highlighted are so wild. So like I had a level one zodiacal releasing, I, I guess zodiacal releasing, it's like, those are turning points, right? Essentially. Yes. So different, essentially different, like chapters or phases of your life. I've heard it referred to as like chapters in a book, um, sections of your cosmic CV, that kind of thing. That's what I call it at least. Wow. So, um, the first date that he gave me the, like the level one date that he highlighted was May 3rd, 2012. And that's, uh, that was when I got hit up by Tavi Gevinson to contribute to rookie. <gasps> no freaking so, way. It's so wild. Okay. And then the next date that he gave me, and I mean that, that was like when my, writing career like really started i think and i i was freelancing here and there before but i i this is the first time that i joined like a a staff um okay at a publication so that was a huge turning point for me and then the the level two zodiacal releasing date that he gave me was november 23rd 2019 and that's actually when i successfully managed to uh break up with uh my ex and we were living together and it, it was like a long drawn out process because we were living together and that was when i finally <laughs> managed to like I finally did it me. oh my god <laughs> yeah this shit is real <laughs> the thing I about the really releasing that freaks me out is that um you know i feel like with proper natal charts 
like not that zodiacal releasing is in any way improper. I mean, in like the British sense of like, you know, the traditional natal chart, mm-hmm. um, you, there's more give and take, there's more mutability, like there's more ability to look at it and say, okay, these are strengths and weaknesses and things can have a positive or negative or in between manifestation. Whereas, you know, zodiacal releasing, it's literally just a list of dates, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the way that it works is that there are there are rising periods, peak periods, and then succeeding periods, essentially, where you kind of conclude the work that you um, started during your peak period. And it feels like weirdly determinative in a way that like other things in astrology aren't you know and for me it's super creepy because i've been told by multiple different readers like tarot readers psychics that i'm supposed to do something really special when i'm 37 or something like that and um it totally tracks completely with this zodiacal releasing thing like that's when you know it's really gonna kick up for me so i you know I'm kind of like, what I don't, from a consulting perspective, I've always wondered, like, how do you counsel someone in that? You know, am I supposed to twiddle mm-hmm. my thumbs for the next five years? Right. Right. Um, but I think it's more just like understanding that I've heard Chris Brennan explain it thusly. It's when your your desires and your talents line up with your circumstances. And I think life is like that, you know, like you can be the most talented person in the world, but like there's a certain level of fate and destiny involved. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's hard to explain to people sometimes because it's like <laughs> I don't some like a lot of the things that have happened for me, like, yeah, I, I definitely work towards them and I I'm very intentional about like what I, what I manifest. Um, but sometimes it just, it happens when it happens, you know, and, um, there, there have been times when I had opportunities and I was like, yeah, this is, this is not supposed to happen for me right now. And it killed me, but, but then, you know, but then something would come up later. Um, you know, like something, something that happened to me, uh, last year was I, I got approached for Vogue to write a cover story for them. Um, and I won't say, Oh God, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) I don't know how it was. It was so upsetting though, because I couldn't, I couldn't do it like under my contract, like the story that they wanted me to write like I wouldn't have been able to do under my contract. So I told them, Mm. Hey, like, listen, I can't do these kinds of stories for you. It was a music story. And like, um, I, I'm a music reporter. Like that's what my job is. So, um, yeah. So I was like, yeah, I can't do like music stories for you. Um, I'm so sorry. Please like feel free to come back to me if you, if you think there's something I could do. And they came back and I ended up writing um, a story for the the February issue about growing up goth in Miami. Um, And now I'm like, you know, that inspired me to work on like a a more long term project, like based on that. So um, it's kind of funny how that happened. And it was a story that I had that, that had kind of lived in me for a long time. And 
you know, every now and then I, I get like literary agents who hit me up and they're like, Hey, do you want to write a book? You know, do you want to write a Mogoth book? Because I, I used to, because I wrote a zine um, based on my, my Mogoth era. Oh, how fun. <laughs> yeah. So like, I've been hit up by people like, Hey, do you want to write a book or whatever? And I'm like, yeah, that this is not the right time. Um, and I'm, glad that I kind of waited for, I, I'm glad that I waited for this thing to come around because now it suddenly feels like the right time to work on a project like this. That's so beautiful and really, really poignant. I feel like um, when I was looking back uh, with the Zodiacal releasing with uh, what I was talking about, like the last peak period, there was what was called a loosing of the bond. Um, hmm. which is a time of essentially like a, a big change of transformation where you can have either a big come up or I don't know, come down, like take an L of some kind. Mm. Um, and at the time I, I had a little bit of both, right? I had come hmm. ups that at, at that moment of my life, I didn't recognize the importance that they would hold for me over the next mm -hmm. three years and what it would become. Right. So when, Bumble approached me to write for them. I didn't know they were going to be having this multi-zillion dollar IPO years <laughs> later. Like that, that wasn't on my mind. I was like, oh, like I have a colleague that's now there and, you know, they're looking to expand in this type of story and I really admire, you know, the, the values that they're all about. So let's try this out. Um, but at the same time, there was, um, I was working on a, a book and that ended up not working out at all and I was really sad about it for a long time but I feel like you know looking back if that had gone through there's so many other things like this podcast for example would not exist right mm -hmm. um so many other projects I wouldn't have had time for or even considered because I would have been consumed by that and like looking at the way the market went and the way sort of trends went up and down I feel like it, it wasn't the right time for that story so I don't know. Mm. Sometimes maybe the universe, like, it tees it up for you uh, <laughs> and it makes it all work out. I feel like for you, especially with like, I, I'm so curious how the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction next year uh, in your mm. first house is going to be. Like, I've been eyeing that for ages because, uh, you know, you've done so much amazing work already, but I'm like, God damn. Like, hmm, let's see. Like, maybe we'll just be partying the whole time. That's my that's my hope oh, for fine. everyone for Jupiter I and Neptune. So. It's just like music, <laughs> parties, glamour. But I don't know if you have any yeah. grand designs on anything for 2022. <laughs> Party in Pisces. Everybody's invited. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love forward that. to it. I like... Yeah, I, I honestly, I hope, like, I, I do have some things, you know, that I'm, uh, I haven't really, like, locked down yet, but I'm scheming for next year, um, but I also hope to be, like, I, I don't know, like, um, laying on a hot rock somewhere, and, like, a <laughs> Like a something. lizard, just, like, soaking in the warmth. <laughs> That sounds amazing. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I'm so I, I ready. I just want to be somewhere, somewhere in a Mediterranean, like, island. I, I don't care which one. Um, I want to be 
at the rave. I want to just be like drunk the entire time. That's what I want to do. <laughs> for my, do you... my... Oh, God, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. For, for my Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, like that's where I want to be. That is the perfect destination. Do you have any like astrocartography lines on your travel uh, in your, um, you know, very Mars and Virgo agenda? Do you have like a checklist or is it more flowing? You're like, nope, wherever my intuition and my intoxication takes me. Um, I, so I have, I have calculated this. Oh my God, I knew it. <laughs> because of course I have. <laughs> Um, so some of the, um, I, I have like a few ideas and I, I can run them by you, but. Okay, let's see. <laughs> um, I have, so let me see. I, so I have, um, let me look at it. The. So Jupiter trines my ascendant on my Jupiter trine ascendant line. Um, that's a little closer to home in, in some ways, like that falls on uh, Havana, which I've always wanted to go to. Um, it falls on, on Key West and I've been there. I'm a Florida girl. So Key West, Daytona. I think it's funny that my Jupiter trine ascendant line, like just cuts through Florida. Um, because I was noticing I, that it's just like right there, the whole thing, the whole thing. And I guess like, you know, there, there are things about my upbringing that were very difficult and I wouldn't wish them on anyone else. But at the same time, like now I can go to Florida and, and enjoy it. Like it's way better now that I'm an adult and I'm like in control of myself um, <laughs> and totally. can decide where to go and how to spend my time. Um, but yeah, like it also goes through London. I've always had a wonderful time in London. Um, and it goes through, uh, Palermo and Malta. So yes. Yeah. Um, another, another nice place is actually Nice (laughs) in France. Um, my son, I see line goes like directly across Nice and I really wanted to go there um, in 2019, but my, my friends like weren't feeling it. We, we were in France for the World Cup, the Women's World Cup specifically. And naturally, um, <laughs> yeah, naturally. Uh, <laughs> so we, we were like, you know, we, we stuck around Paris um, and I told myself, I was like, oh, I'll just like take myself to Nice next year. And then next year was the pandemic. So um i really want to go there and i want to spend time in nice and ibiza and also i've been to um i've been to italy i've never been to greece but apparently my moon ic line goes straight through athens um oh that's beautiful i love that yeah i've always wanted to go there um apparently that's like it's a really creative place for me um it would be like a very healing place um the moon i see line is so good i went on a trip back in it was years ago now in 2013 i think we talked about it a little bit on the last time on the last episode i went to yeah london and both places it was just like 
I belong here. I live here now. This is the most comfortable <laughs> place in the world, the most inspiring. I just kind of like stayed inside uh, the museums and cafes all day. And yeah, I was like, you mean that we just get to drink amazing coffee, eat bonbons <laughs> and chain smoke cigarettes all day? Like I have found my home forever and we're all black. Like I love this. Uh -huh. so That's for me. So exactly. you you got to go to Athens. Highly recommend. One day. Someday. <laughs> One day. We have plenty. I mean, we have plenty of time. I'm really curious to go to. I've always felt a really strong connection with India. Like, I love Indian Ooh. food. I love Indian culture. Like, I don't know. I, I've always just felt the vibes were strong and my moon ascendant line just go cuts like right through india through jaipur and new delhi so one day oh. i have to go i'm gonna just like i don't know i don't i don't want to eat pray love too hard i want to be respectful but also have a really nice time and i don't know eat as much spicy food as i can tolerate before i explode <laughs> that that sounds amazing i've always wanted to go there too I have, let me see what lines I have there. Uh, let's see. Ooh, I have a, wait, what is this? The, okay. My moon trine MC line. What else? I'm like looking for the, the fun cities in India. <laughs> the thing what, about yeah, astrocartography I, is it's always like the the cities that show up on the map, but like the best part of traveling anywhere is being like, okay, you're from here. What are the actual things that people do here? Right. Um, I love I love it so much. I I have never traveled to a Jupiter line, and I've always wanted to. It's interesting because my Jupiter descendant line cuts right through all of these, like, music cities, I guess, like Chicago, Memphis, Ooh. Nashville, Detroit, New Orleans, and Baton Rouge. And huh. so I think what that's telling me is that I have to do some sort of, like, blues album and just, like, travel up and down that line and, like, see how it goes. That's Go on tour. Plan. <laughs> yeah, definitely go on tour. I, would... I am missing it so bad. <laughs> it's so bizarre because um, I'm literally sitting in the same place that I was the last time that we spoke on this podcast, and I'm having this weird, I think, as I think everybody is, and I think Saturn um, square Uranus is only adding to our sense of time being just like a weird construct. I'm like, mm -hmm. did any time actually elapse since the last time we talked? I'm not right. sure that it did. Yeah, it, it feels like we're we're in the same, not the same conversation, but in the same like mental room where we're continuing the conversation. <laughs> Right, right, right. I sound maybe like, that's just when you have two like super intuitive people. I, <laughs> they really do. <laughs> this is so good, though. I feel like the folks who are just getting into astrology are listening to this. And you just, this is what it's all about, right? For me, astrology has always been a kind of connective tissue between people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it's a shared language and it's a way to sort of see like, oh, this is how we're the same. This is how we're different. And like, there's mm-hmm. no ends to the fun times that can happen if you're, if you're talking astrology and just imagining your lines together. It's, it's the best. It really is. And it's definitely like, it's changed, it's changed my life in so many ways. And I, I think helped me think of i mean astrology and therapy together are a winning combo uh, absolutely I will say that. <laughs> 10 out of 10 for astrology and therapy um and i yeah. keep hearing this adage like every therapist has an astrologer um which is funny <laughs> to me i feel like they're very symbiotic you need both to stay healthy and safe um here's what Agreed. i'm curious about for you since you like have really gone head first into the deep astrology waters, probably thanks to like the whole Neptune opposite your Mars situation. That's the positive manifestation, <laughs> right? Is what mm-hmm. advice do you have for someone who's ready to sort of take that leap from casual astrology enthusiast to something more serious or more intense? Um, I feel like I, I've learned from the community a lot um and it's it's not even just like by reading books or by reading astro twitter but actually like getting readings from different astrologers has really helped me and i take notes um i i take really intense notes during all of my readings and every astrologer has their own technique you know like Mm -hmm. i haven't met any two astrologers who do like the same thing and everyone has a slightly different approach. There's some people who are like very informed by the tarot. Um, some people are, are more informed by actual like magic practices um, or, or like herbal practices, like any, any kind of like spiritual practice. Um, it varies between astrologers and the coolest thing has been learning how everybody uh, approaches their craft in in their own unique way and it's given me a lot of thought as someone who has read tarot for god like um I, I guess it's been 15 years now that i've been reading tarot wow and yeah it, i mean it's changed the way that i've read it um and i i really learn from just just getting read by other people <laughs> in, in in many ways <laughs> um i i love when when an astrologer like reads me for filth and <laughs> like, this is why you keep having the same problem and i'm like oh, i know <laughs> oh i love i do love that feeling too i i got this uh reading from mystic medusa back in I think it was 2012 at this point, and I still reference it constantly because it was a written reading. Mm-hmm. She said, um, don't expect me to feel bad for you for this beautiful gift, uh, referring to my <laughs> grand cross. I was beside myself wow. <laughs> with laughter and just, but it really did like seeing that she viewed those things differently dramatically changed, um, you know, my view of what was possible with that arrangement. So. Get your astrology charts read, everyone, by all different people. It's but very fun. 
especially Amelia. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think so. You were saying like, is it informed by tarot and magic or this? But I was like, but what if it's all of those? What if it's a little bit of everything? That's that's the best. Um, I love it when someone when I'm getting a reading from someone and they're like, okay, so go out and buy yourself this kind of candle for this new moon. And I'm like, oh, all right, yes. I'm, I'm there, you know, done. Right. I'm um, game. Let's do this. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause like, I also, in, in a way, um, I mean, I've been, I've been giving people tarot readings for a long time. I don't really like advertise my, my services <laughs> very much. Um, if, if at all, I basically, it's like friends will ask me, oh, like how much, how much do you charge for a tarot reading? And I'll be like, ah, you know, uh, (laughs) however much, a a sliding scale, you know? Um, and I mean, there, there were years that I didn't charge at all. And I realized, oh shit, no, I, I can't possibly do this because next thing you know, it's like, I, I've been reading for people mm-hmm. for two hours and I feel totally drained. And there was a I've time been talking I, to my students about exactly this for the last yeah. two weeks. Oh my gosh. Very, very on time. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of work. And I think that, um, for me, like the, it, it took me a long time actually to decide to, you know, consistently charge people. Like nowadays I'm like, okay, I can, uh, I can read you for like 30 minutes. Um, like suggested price is like 40 bucks. You let me know what you're able to do, whatever. But there were times when I used to give free readings and I was so exhausted. This was when I was in college and I feel like it, it it was a matter of like my mindset going into it. Like I didn't think that Mm, I was, I was like, oh, I'm learning. And and by that point, I'd been reading for a few years and I was still like just giving people free readings. They kept coming back. Like, I mean, I, I people were like straight up draining me after a while. There were some people who kept coming back and they, you know, would like act like we were friends, but we really weren't. And like, that's the worst. Forced. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I was, I was starving. Like I wasn't, I was working a lot. I was working like multiple minimum wage jobs and like not eating very well and just like constantly <laughs> right <laughs> just like malnourished and giving these terrible people tarot readings and being like and and for what and i realized that it was a matter of like my mindset where it's like actually no my time does cost money and that was something that i i finally i guess like i mean i feel like i only recently came into my power with that regard like actually um, asking to be compensated for my time. And I, I know that the, those are like buzzwords at this point, but it really does matter. Um, and I, I think that once, you know, people started and, and maybe this is like in, in, in the last couple of years, people have started to be like, I want a reading from you. Like, how much can I pay you? You know? And when they start with that, I'm like, okay, you respect my time. That's, mm-hmm. that's like a good sign, you know? Um, and it'll even be friends. And sometimes with my friends, I'm like, no, like, <laughs> don't be ridiculous, you know? And they'll still like drop me a tip <laughs> or something. And I'm like, God damn it, you know? <laughs> I would say the people who I would be willing to just drop anything and read for, which I do like 
sometimes if it's totally needed, I'm like, I am there. Let me help you. Like, this is too important to wait. Um, are usually the people who are the ones like trying to be like, can I pay you for your time? Um, they're one and the same. So, yeah, I think that those buzzwords are buzzwords for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think especially in, in spirituality, one thing that I've, you know, I've always had a really deep respect for it, I guess with the sun Pluto conjunction in the 12th house. Um, hmm. is that if someone's coming to you for a reading, especially a transit reading of some kind, it's because they're going through something really difficult and mm -hmm. potentially traumatic. Mm. Um, and so there really is a certain skill set um, and energetic um, sort of outlay required to create the con a safe container and space for that person, which is something that I do joyfully and that I, I really care about, but it is work, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, it's something that, especially too, combined with the expertise, you should be compensated for. I think the only time where I have an issue is I, I have people email me and they'll be like, I don't really know like that much astrology. Like, I don't really know anything about like aspects. Just kind of know about <laughs> planets. Like, when can I start charging for readings? Like, what's the soonest I can start charging for readings? Hmm. And I'm always like, I'll very bluntly tell people, I'm like, I, I don't think if that is your aim, that like you are, your heart is in the right place or that. Yeah. Like, I think you should reflect on this a little bit more, I think would be the phrasing I would use. Absolutely. Um, but for those of you who are are considering going out into the world and and giving readings, you know, I always say that, and I, I had checked myself on this recently because my, um, I'm very lucky that my uh, client base grew a lot in 2020. Um, hmm. And so, yeah, I, I think if you're in a place where you're feeling depleted after your readings or even resentful, like that's a sign that something's off. Yes. Um, it may not necessarily be with your pricing because I, I feel like there's a narrative and maybe you've noticed this too with like the buzzwordy things of like <laughs> charge for charge what you're worth, uh, you know, and then you're charging people who, you know, do not have the resources to give you like $600 for something, which just mm -hmm. feels like energetically awful, you know, but mm -hmm. so it doesn't always have to be the price. It can be, you know. I know folks will be like, well, I prepared for an hour <laughs> and then I did an hour, you know, debrief session by email and then I spent two hours reading for this person and you only charge them for an hour of your time. So you got to be strategic with it for sure. Yeah. And very strict. <laughs> very strict. It's really hard. Like even now yeah, yeah. when you when you have to be like, um, you know, well, this is going to be like this. But honestly, I found that my practice got to got healthier into an even yeah. more positive and expansive place when I started saying, you know, um, people would come to me and be like, well, I think I want to, you know, read for this other person in my life as well. And I have a super strict policy on that. I'm like, that's great. Um, why don't you have them email me their consent um, mm -hmm. and their birth details separately? And that costs X amount extra because I'm going to have to, you know, prepare and read like two or three extra charts. And mm -hmm. for the most part, people are like incredibly gracious about that. Like 
Mm. Most people are awesome and they want to be compensated well for their work and they're happy to do the same for you. And if someone isn't doing that, then that reflects more on them than on your tarot or astrology practice. So protect your time. And like you were talking about sliding scale, I like to keep my prices. I have items at all different price points, you know, so mm -hmm. not everyone is going to be like weekly meeting with them all the time. Like some people <laughs> can just listen to this free podcast and we have amazing, spectacular guests like you who kind of know what they're talking about. So. <laughs> Thank you. I that's that's what I aspire for, honestly. And I, I'm continuing to uh, do do my homework when it comes to astrology. I, I feel like I do my homework every time I read a horoscope because I like a I, I keep a diary where I um, I don't even like write elaborate diary entries, but I do write when there's like some notable aspect happening astrologically and then i'll write like what happened next to it yes i love that all my students do the astrology journal and some people even that just listen to the podcast that is like the <laughs> backbone of the bad astro astrology practice it is the everything <laughs> so i'm so glad that you i'm so glad that you're on board and i can't wait to see like what the next year ends up looking like in your astrology journal if i'm seeing it correctly i think it might be nice you know i'm here at the end of my notes and i just want the audience to know that there's this random end note that just says taylor swift folklore evermore astrology <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we're gonna have to do a totally separate episode on that sorry totally everyone. Episode. yeah that time for me was like weirdly magical it was Oh man, what a weird summer. Like, like last, last summer was really weird because a lot of the, at least in New York City, a lot of the, um, pandemic restrictions were lifted and, um, oh, wow. hardly anyone was like getting COVID or, or like the positivity rate was like super low, like under 1%. So people were like out and about a little bit more. Um, and it felt, it felt like weird, like constantly being in the park, being in the woods, being at the beach. There was some strange, like magical quality to it. There is truly some strange magic in it. It, it came out on the first exact hit of Neptune scoring my moon. And <gasps> I feel like it, it's like she was writing about my life or like things that I hadn't even emotionally like explained to myself somehow through this transit and through this album. Um, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, wow, there it is. And then I was so pissed because I was like, I think I want to write music again after listening to it. Like I would have been content to never do it again. And then I heard folklore and I was oh. like, well, shit. But that's what uh, that's what Neptune transits are for, and uh, yeah, I have a couple more, but I I can't wait. I remember um, last year, uh, I think it was the episode after the coronavirus episode where I watched her documentary, mm -hmm. um, and this was before anyone ever thought of folklore. Um, I was like, yeah, I just, I'm looking at her astrology and I just feel so strongly that she, I know she's down right now, has at least one or two great, truly great albums left in her. Mm -hmm. um, and then within, you know, however many months we got folklore. So 
I think she needed it for real. And she's like a super Sag. She has like a bunch of planets in Sagittarius. So like this Neptune in Pisces has been kind of like kicking her ass, especially with with her public image. Um, I know. (laughs) That's the other thing you can do. Find celebrity charts that you love and Mm -hmm. see what they've been going through especially if there's someone who's similar similar to you because it might reflect but what would we do without without cardigan and willow to help us survive this pandemic i would have just wilted into into the floor (laughs) i i just needed that like fairy music that like lilith fair taylor swift i'm all for it uh, <laughs> no okay so check this out i i said that like i feel like this is taylor swift as bruce springsteen like really taylor swift as american songwriter you know mm. like it's like this is guitar music it was so long yeah. since i heard an album that was like i feel like that cancer moan this could be a totally different thing too all all of the quote-unquote guitar heroes have a cancer moan and she has really? one. Yeah, like it's a very songwritery thing. Um, and I'm not sure what it is about that, but I, I really saw that come through on this and love it, love it to death. I don't have any cans. That is so cool. I didn't know that. Yes. I, you know what? I will do some sort of post on Cancer Moon uh, guitar folks. I mean, like Jimmy Page for sure. Wow. Um, Jack White is super cancer. Um, hmm. Angus Young. I'm like living, leaving out a bunch of folks. Um, but yeah, Cancer Moon is the guitar placement. Little did you know. The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for going on this astrology journey with me this evening. It's been an absolute blast. <laughs>